0: A very simple insight, very, it's very simple in, in its own knowing, or it's the, the insight itself is, is rather simple, very simple, but, um, bears repeating in various ways over and over. You could almost say it's the only insight. Um, but because of the nature of language, it can be tricky to get across. Again, it's very simple in your own experience in the immediacy of it, but tricky to relate to others because of the nature of language. Um, and <laughs> theres I don't even think there's a way to actually say it directly, strangely, but it's something like um, what I was pointing to in the guided meditation this morning. I think that's experientially maybe as close as i can get which is essentially saying i can put it in words but it's not exactly right that the immediate experience as it is the immediate appearances as they are um are it that's enlightenment and so anything that seems to mitigate that or anything that seems to make distance from that um even anything that seems to observe that or, or receive it or reflect it um, is not quite it. It's, it's just a, a layer of thought. And however it happens that we um, disentangle identity from that layer of thought or processing, uh, what is naturally revealed is not something that... You have any relationship with even it's not it's not it's not a it's not something it's not an award it's not a it's not somewhere you arrive it's not something you have to earn or deserve it's not a badge or something you pat yourself on the back for in any way at all it doesn't give you anything extra it doesn't give you anything new <laughs> it doesn't add anything it doesn't subtract anything um And yet, it's, um, it's both a possibility for the relative self, um, the relative narrative of, of you and your life and your storyline, and it's also not a possibility. It's just the case. It's just already there. I go back to Dogen's term, practice enlightenment, something like that, where it really is already the case. It really is already here um appearances are just as they are and the truth behind the fact that there is nothing in reference to those appearances there's nothing approaching them there's nothing even even knowing them really there's too much that's too much distance um that's true it's always true it's true for you all the time um So how to point out in a way that doesn't create more thinking, uh, more struggle, how to point out uh, what it is that seems to get in the way of the immediate ongoing experience of that, for lack of a better way of saying it. Some of it, certainly at the layer of conceptual thought. Some of it is really just seeing the absurdity of our beliefs, and the contradictory nature of many of our beliefs, the cognitive dissonance that arises when we um, really look closely at all of the different beliefs we try to hold simultaneously about ourselves, about the world, about life, about time, about space. Um, so part of it really can be dispelled through through almost a logical inquiry or really looking um, empirically at what the mind is doing and seeing how absurd it really is. Self-defeating. Um, and with that, if that's clear enough, we often f- start to feel that there's maybe an underlying sense of um, there's like an underlying sense of struggle that's occurring. And if we see clearly enough how that cognitive overlay is functioning, then we we have the opportunity to see that the struggle is with ourself. The only thing that can struggle is struggle. So struggle is sort of struggling against struggle. But it, it, the, the clothing it's wearing is the clothing of belief and identity. And so we're kind of left often with, after inquiry or perhaps shifts in identity and so forth, we're left with recognizing or coming face to face with this sense of a sort of um, personal struggle. They won't really make any sense. You won't find any reason for it. Um, the logical framework can be set aside and the struggle still sort of feels like it's there for a while. Um, and it's actually a good place to be if you can get to that, if you can recognize that as such and just feel it, like let your body actually feel it. Um, because it's really based on nothing. There are some assumptions perhaps that are operating to allow it to continue or that allowed it to get going and get getting the momentum it, it tends to have. Um, but if you're not encouraging those assumptions anymore, then, and, and you're just embodying that experience, the, the feeling of struggle in its raw form, than any remaining delusions about what you need to struggle with or why you need to struggle at all with what seems like life or people or situations or yourself or your body or your health or your emotions or anything. Um, The the narratives about if there are any remaining narratives or beliefs about why we are doing that at all will come to the surface. They'll become obvious. If we just inhabit the sensations, if we just inhabit the physical experience of struggle, I could call it suffering. Suffering maybe is a little more of a broad term. It includes maybe the, the, the cognitive suffering and the narratives and so forth. But I think underlying all of that, as I am describing, there's really a more visceral sense. Perhaps you could say it's energetic. Um, but the same approach that shows us the, the kind of absurdity of the seeking mind, the absurdity in simple terms, if, if you're not getting what I mean by that is the analogy I sometimes use of, you know, you're holding a stick and at the end of the stick is a string and at the bottom of the string is a carrot and you're chasing your own carrot. So everywhere you go, everywhere you look, the carrot's still out there and you still keep chasing it. But in the cognitive sense, it's, convincing that you're going to get it. And then you're going to be happy when you get it finally. Right. And the, we change the color of the carrot, and we change the carrot into other fruits and vegetables and all the things we think we want. But ultimately, the mechanism is absurd. We keep seeking something in the future that we're making up. Right. And so with the same deductive or maybe observ- ob- observatory uh, faculty, we can notice also uh, something about the struggle that really there's not anything to struggle against. There's not a posi- there's not a point of view from which the struggle' is actually originating. Maybe it's a cumulative effect of all those thoughts over years, who knows? But it's not anchored anywhere. So um, maybe to back up we we often have a defense mechanism against even seeing it or actually even feeling it we we may not want to feel this struggle in a very direct way that I'm talking about because again be, because we still have some conceptual fixations that say I have to know what to do with something or I don't care about it I have to feel like I'm in control of something or even a situation or even a person or they're just not interesting to me right because Without the, the illusion of control, the illusion that you can catch that carrot somehow or turn it into what you think you need it to be, uh, without that illusion, there's not really much reason in, in thinking that way. There's not really much purpose in seeking thoughts and so forth. Um, so, so to the degree there's still some belief in that system, it won't want to let us drop into this pure sense of struggle. Because there's, there's a visceral sense that we can't actually do anything about it. It's almost like the struggle feels kind of automatic. Like, again, it's maybe a residual cumulative effect from years of thought or whatever. But there's something about it that feels... I um, uh, can't think of a good word for it. You, you almost have to re- feel resigned or you almost have to resign yourself to it and realize, yeah, it's there. You know, I've been running from it. I've been avoiding it, I've been avoiding the sensation of it, the feeling of it, the experience of it for so long. We're afraid of it because we're afraid of being helpless. We're afraid of being inert, not having choices. But again, all of that is just based on the illusory choice system that's created by the mind that has to do with time. That has to do with seeking and it just never satisfies itself ever so from that perspective yeah this won't feel like where you want to go you know so there's some defense mechanisms from even touching into this but at some point along this path you will you will not only touch into it you'll drop into it and realize like you have to go here you have to come into contact with that which is the most direct um can feel like a lot of things can feel like despair can feel like helplessness. Um, can feel like restlessness. Uh, but but there's an element of struggle there. Usually, uh, f- for a while, and then ati- over time, the the struggle element can can relax. Um, and that's when we're really thoroughly digesting the initial insight about the mind, the initial insight about seeking about solving the problem of me and my life and all of it, that trying to solve that problem is engaging in a, in a false world. It's, it's actually creating the sense that there's a problem in the first place. So maybe we could call that the insight of non-conceptuality. But once that insight is clear, then we'll drop into this. We will feel the struggle, the struggling experience. The restlessness is, is not a bad word for it. It's a pretty good word for it. Once we've cleared a lot of the beliefs about this, meaning struggle doesn't make a lot of sense when you see that there's not really two sides to things. Struggle doesn't make a lot of sense when you realize there's nothing you're going to defeat or need to defeat. You can't wrestle with life and win. Um, It's just life. There's just life here. There's just life happening, right? So when those beliefs have kind of settled then it, w- it may just feel like a sort of restlessness, an energetic restlessness, which can feel very intense. And it can come in, in very direct energetic forms, almost like Kundalini type of experiences. Um, it can feel just like a the body wants to just do something, move, distract itself. Um, like you want to just crawl out of your skin. <laughs> You just want to do anything, get anywhere, move anywhere from this. That's, that's the restlessness experience that will settle too. It does settle for sure. But at first it will feel like that. Um, even before that, what it feels like is you don't even notice it. It feels like endless distraction, but that can take some time to see how much we time we actually spend just endlessly distracting ourselves. One distraction after another, after another. Um, that we, what we finally realize is the moment we start to feel a little bit of this restlessness or helplessness or whatever, the distraction mechanism is already going. So it sort of protects us from having to feel this. Everyone may not find this, but I think most people do find this at some point that all of that distraction, um, habits and things that are just pulling you this way and that way. Um, they're really just trying to avoid this. Trying to avoid this um, critical insight, critical insight, but uncomfortable insight or uncomfortable approaching the insight. And I'm using the term insight because it's um, it's not something you're going to learn, like in words. It's not something that is about um, coming to a conclusion. It's something that th- alters experience. It alters your identity. It alters reality, so to speak. Uh, that's the insight. Some insights are quick and they're very much up here, and they're a quick insight into the nature of identity in in the thought space. Others are more like feel like a slow melting, um, or like a slow eroding of a fixation, or a stuck place. Can feel like it's in the chest. Can feel like it's in the gut. Can feel like it's in anywhere, but often it feels like a like a body center. And as I've been describing, it can feel, um, can feel restless. It can feel like struggle, et cetera. So if you find yourself here or you find your intuition taking you here saying, this is where I need to explore or I want to explore, or you just realize there's nowhere else to go anymore. Everything else is, is just kind of a dead end, right? More thinking, more seeking, more whatever, um, kind of a dead end. And then you realize there's, this is really where you gotta, you gotta hang out. You know, you gotta, you gotta be here, (laughs) um, because there is nowhere else to be because it is in the senses. Um, but it's, it's really right at the, it's right at the edge, um, between pure sensing ongoing, just pure sensing and, and sort of inhabiting that space all the time. And the. The the tendency to, to kind of continue to emphasize the apparent body-mind split. By body-mind split, I just mean what I said before, the, the endless distractions of mind, the endless seeking of mind to avoid the sensations in the body. As simple as that is, that's what's happening. Um, and you know, as that spell breaks, as the tendency to, to kind of just keep abandoning sensation, the sensation of the body, especially with certain conditions, as that spell breaks, <clears throat> we realize there's just nowhere else to go. That's This is what's happening. There's a sensation, you know, there's sensation, there's sound, there's the five sense gates. Um, and consciousness is a, is a sort of sense gate, but there's not much uh, interest there anymore when we when we kind of get out of the seeking game and the endless thinking game and the rumination game and all of it. So then we just drop right into the sensation, the sensations of the body. Um just staying there is enough just staying and remaining there is enough because it will sort itself out energetically but you may notice a tendency to be pulled into thoughts randomly or you may just notice thoughts stirring around and labels and labels for emotions and so forth um it can get kind of muddy kind of disorienting here but um Keep some, keep some of your attention there. Keep some of your attention in that sensation, and you'll notice you can do this as you navigate your life. You know, doesn't doesn't have to stop you from doing anything at all. Uh, you can certainly take care of your responsibilities and priorities, and even do things to enjoy yourself and relax and meditate and all the different things. with with some attention remaining here in this space, the space of the sensations of the body. Maybe you might. Perceive it as somewhere along the chakras, the midline, um, these centers. Uh, you can also, like, you, like I said, you can just remain with this. It will take care of itself. It will sort itself. Um, it will evolve. It will settle. The restlessness will settle. You can also um, ask questions, you know. Uh, What is it that's struggling? Where? Where is the struggle originating? Of course, in the experience. We're certainly not conceptualizing it at this point. So look. Where is the anchor point for struggle? Where, Where does one side meet another side? Where does a uh, where does awareness meet sensation? Can also be helpful to see that any habituated storyline that may be associated with this or associated with avoiding this, um, this immediate sense of struggle or helplessness or. Um, even a tendency to react, whatever narrative is associated with it. You can just notice like, oh, the narrative now is this, but a year ago it was this, 10 years ago it was this. See that the narratives can change because the narratives are not primary. The narratives are coping mechanisms. They're escape hatches. They're life preservers try to get us up back up into to some kind of conceptualization. So just noticing the narratives really don't directly relate in the way they seem to. They're more like just convenient things to grab onto, to try to sort of stabilize ourself in the mind. It's not, that's not the right kind of stability. It's not the kind of stability you want, but it may be the kind of stability you've been used to for a while. There's a totally different kind of stability that comes with this, but there's a transition time. And it can take some time to find that deeper, ineffable stability in in the sensations, in the senses.